When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Check, check, check. Check one, check two. All right, perfect. Here we go. Well, Matt, we are sitting in a car together. This is the first episode we've ever recorded face-to-face. Yeah. I mean, technically, we're both facing in the same direction because we're in the front seat of a car. So it's it's not quite face-to-face, but it's it's side-to-side It's fair. in it's, a unique way. I mean, it's the first time we've done an episode non-remotely. Yeah, in person. How about that? Yeah, we'll work with that. That's great. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to comb through a couple emails that you guys have sent us. Um, now, full transparency, at the time we're recording this, only lasagna has been released. Up to lasagna. Up to lasagna has yes. been released. So there's like four more episodes. We'll get to those when we do the the mailbag episode for UHF. Sure. Which that's when it's going to be is after we do the UHF soundtrack. Right. Will be the next one. We'll start with this. Uh, we've got an email here from Dan, and it says, "Dear Matthew and Matt, thank you for your podcast and your insight. I've really enjoyed your perspectives." You've even made me rethink songs that I didn't appreciate on first listen. I've been listening to Weird Al since I bought my first ever album in 3D. Now my five-year-old grandson, also named Matthew, giggles along with my kids and me. Despite being a lifetime weirdo, I somehow missed until last year Weird Al's version of Peter and the Wolves and the Carnival of Animals. It was a collaboration with Wendy Carlos, who is another one of my favorite musicians. The album was released in 1988 between Even Worse and UHF. It's a hoot, and if you include at least one episode on it, you'll be introducing a lot of your listeners to something that they would probably really appreciate. Uh, The physical copies are very rare and absurdly expensive, but the music is available here, and he gave us a link. We have already announced we're definitely going to do this. We are going to do it. Um, We even have kind of a, a listener guest who contacted us and was like i've performed peter and the wolf before yeah 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 no i'm which i'm very very interested in i also thought and i mean like look i'm gonna say this out loud and we're gonna acknowledge that it is like a next level long shot yeah but like we could try to reach out to wendy carlos we could try Wendy carlos is i mean wendy carlos is an absolute legend like the top of the top an absolute pioneer in so many ways uh, electronic composer, um, one of the first like very publicly, openly trans artists of nice. all time. Did the score to The Shining? Did the score to um, uh, Tron? Was oh, Wendy wow. Carlos really, really incredible? Um, and uh, I mean, if there's even a chance, uh, and I don't know if there is. I think Wendy is 83, 84. Yeah. So the idea of getting Wendy Carlos on Zoom seems like it might be a stretch. I don't know. Um, but we can try. But even if we can't, I mean, yeah, no, it is absolutely worth acknowledging that album because it is, 
you know, in the world of in the in the weird world of Weird Al, this is a high watermark of weird. The yes. fact that it exists at all. And again, I don't want to talk about it too far in advance. But it is it is probably I would argue the strangest thing he's ever or, released. Or like the most like counterculture yeah. totally against we'll, the grain of everything. We'll dive into it. But yeah, the the whole time you're just like, who is this? Yeah, girl? how did this happen? <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah. I, also, I actually was trying in anticipation of of this episode. I actually tried to get a copy of the album on vinyl. Um, no, you almost I, had an opportunity. You saw one okay, in the wild. So I saw one at the when Weird Al did the first Vanity tour. They did a special section of the merch table for like lost items from the from throughout the years, and he had cop he had a copy at the show I went to of Peter and the Wolf up on the wall for. It was like $200, and at the time, that was just not in my budget, but boy, I kind of now wish I had. I actually was chasing one on eBay. I was in a full-on eBay bidding war with somebody for a copy of Peter and the Wolf, and I lost, but listeners, I'm watching. I got it on my watch list right now. I'm going to see. One day, it'll be in your collection. It's it's going to happen, and it's going to be a great day, and I was hoping that I could have it in my hands when we recorded one of those episodes. We'll see. Time will tell. We'll see. There's we'll still see. some time. Who knows? Al might hear this mailbag episode and yeah. say, I'll send you a copy, man. Yes, but thank you for that <laughs> submission anyway, because I, I totally agree we're on the same page. Uh, Peter and the Wolf must be discussed, and we are going to. So someone else contacted us, Mark. Yes. He said, hi, y'all. Two things on how to cover the UHF skits. Okay. Number one, I say you do a single episode that covers both of them debatable we'll figure that out we're that's up for so b- that's uh, a toss-up so quick before we move on th- both of them are we saying the skits are gandhi 2 and spatula city i believe so yeah um because the other real outlier on that record is let me be your hog well let me be is, your hog we have a guest lined we, up we it. technically we, we currently have a guest <laughs> lined up for that song which i'm very excited about but um that's the interesting thing about UHF is like that's not a skit but it also kind of is yeah like to call that a song is a stretch yeah <laughs> all right and they also said too as far as the rankings I'd say no don't rank them yeah are we 100% sure that they were written by Al I know he's credited as a writer I assume he is for the skit itself but the background music I would expect was the, the score composer John Duprez uh may have probably written some or even all of the stuff playing behind in the commercials. I'm not sure of this, as it's credited by Al, but since none of the regular score appears on the soundtrack album at all, it makes it a bit uncertain that there isn't some of Duprez in there. If so, then the skits might count as a cover in some weird sense and thus still shouldn't go on a list. Interesting. I think that that's fair. I think that we did decide that... To rank the skits in anything is kind of chaos. I do agree about ranking the skits. I think it is... I totally hear you on this point. I think it's a very interesting point. I would guess... Even further, I would bet that Al did actually write that music. It's probably, I I think that... So I would say, and again, not to play my hand too early, but I think Spatula City has a vibe that reminds me of the sort of thing he would put in a brief moment of a polka. Yeah. I'm fine with us doing them as separate episodes, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I just, I, as, a, as a further point, I think that he, Al probably did write that music. I think it would be, um, 
you know, especially back in the day, there was always a distinction between the soundtrack and the score of yeah. the film. And I think that, unfortunately, UHF never had a score release Which, for Dupres. Which, the score release it could be. I so. know, it could be great, and maybe we'll see it one day. I think at the time, it was just like, in order for your score well, to be released, bombed. I would yeah. say the movie completely bombed. Al got a soundtrack because he was notable enough and had enough of a fan base. But the idea of anyone at that time buying the instrumental score to UHF with music not composed by Al must have been there like we're going to sell two of these I mean it took years I think it was only three or four years ago that the freaked soundtrack was finally made available yeah. in some format so who knows we'll yeah. see what happens unfortunately the idea of like these collectors of sort of niche um, film scores and soundtracks is actually more of a new phenomenon yeah um, going back to the 80s a lot of that stuff was completely neglected someone so. will do it I think I hope so I hope so and, and, and you know if they do we can add it to our album roster we can get yeah. uh we can get our our friend uh, Duprez. Is that the name? Yeah, Duprez. We're gonna get we're gonna get Duprez on the horn. I don't know. Yeah, what, we'll, I don't we'll know see. what his deal is at this point, but we will address. We'll we're gonna tackle it. Maybe we'll get Duprez to do the Carnival of Animals, and we'll get Ooh. Wendy Carlos to do the UHF score. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, we got an email from Deb. She said, "I was just listening to your episode about the Guide to the Grammys." And I wanted to be sure that you knew about Al's appearance on the show Circus of the Stars. And they sent a YouTube link for us. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast has an episode where they interview Al and ask him all about it. I've been really enjoying your podcast, even if I don't always agree with you. <laughs> I'm a 60-something-year-old grandmother who discovered Al on the Dr. Demento show in the 70s as an adult. So I don't have the experience of listening to him as a child. I did listen to Tom Lear, Alan Sherman, and the like. Even PDQ Bach. Bach. Yeah. I still listen to Al and have taken both of my daughters and granddaughter to his shows uh, as their first concert. There was an older podcast called The Weird Alphabet, which did yeah. sort of the same thing you're doing, except they did the songs in alphabetical order. Keep up the podcast. We can use all the Weird Al content, we can, uh, content as possible. I love this email. I love it, too. We will definitely have to find a space to get into the Circus of the Stars. I think at a certain point, we had just done so many TV episodes in a row. I think we were feeling a little self-conscious. I remember <laughs> at a point, you were like, this is like, we're making people wait a month yeah. <laughs> yeah. to hear us talk about a song. And uh, actually, to be fair, I, I remembered, um, uh, I saw a message, and I should have my own like little thing for mailbags like this. We're still working on this side of our show. But uh, I did get a message from a, a friend of mine, but who, who said that... Um, it was the guide to the Grammys, I think, was like maybe the most fun episode we had done. They were like, I had never heard you t us laugh yeah. as much as we did, as we did in that episode. Well, I think because it was all, all that stuff is new to us. It's very new. We listened to the songs a thousand times. Yeah. So like when we watch that stuff, it's like, I have never seen the guide to the Grammys. Before. Totally. No, never. <laughs> and I think something that we have really started to tap into, which I love in this show, is an appreciation for how underrated Al is as just a comic. Yeah, as like and a an sketch actor. comic and an actor. His, the and... sketch comedy in Al TV, you know, we got to, again, one of the coolest things we've done so far is, even though it wasn't about a sketch thing, getting to talk briefly to Paul Shear about sketch comedy and what Al's influence in that world was, all of that has made me feel even more confident that, like, I think we should continue to follow that path and, and get into all of this stuff. So forgive us if we hit a couple of them maybe out of order. Yeah. But we will we'll, we'll tackle all of his... Uh, his media appearances and in, in all forms because it's definitely worth delving into. I mean, even him on Family Double Dare was such a treat. It was so good. Right? Uh, so we got another one from Elias, we'll say. 
Uh, I'm eagerly anticipating the return to album-focused episodes. Ah, see, there it is. That's what <clears throat> we worried about. <laughs> but I've really been enjoying all of this intro oh, material. Okay. The album stuff is great because it hits all of the nostalgia owl of my childhood, but it's been fun to watch this granular, used-but-not-new-to-me footage on YouTube along with you. Mm. I should say that all your observations about John Davidson are spot on. <laughs> not only is he clearly unfamiliar with Al's work, but I'm convinced he I'm not convinced he knew what like a virgin was either. Just really quick, I have to say that episode aired and the first message I got was a text from my dad going, "Oh, your mom loves John Davidson." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I apologize to anyone I offended, but you know what? I'm glad to have some some backup on some that. Some backup. Uh, it says I'm pretty perplexed by your takes on the Hollywood Squares contestants relationship with Al's answers though. I listened to your episode before I watched the footage, so when I queued up the Hollywood Squares, I was surprised. It was as if we watched two different sets of videos. I rewatched the clips and re-listened to the pod just to make sure. I'll get seven questions, and the contestants only disagree with him three times. And one of those times, Al was wrong. Contrary to what you said in the pod, Al said not to get surgery for a hernia. Contestant disagreed, and that was correct. Uh, contrary to what you said on the pod, the contestants did believe him about both Valor and Bruce Springsteen's ticket sales. So their dealings with Al, the contestants won the space on the board five out of seven times. So that's that, I guess. I just thought the discrepancy was really curious. Matt, I highly appreciate all of your stormy sex-like pop culture <laughs> digressions and recommendations. I don't end up liking all of them, but I fully enjoy exploring them. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to address my comment on your polka party wrap-up. Just wanted to note that my name is pronounced like the famous Ellis Island in New York where Look the immigrants that. enter the U.S. All right, perfect. So I kind of nailed it. You actually did get it right. There you go. Based on your response, I'm not sure if I was totally clear what I meant by there's no gender mentioned in the song. I was referring to the fact that the owner of the offending footwear may not be a woman. I think it's clear that the relationship is a romantic one. They appear to share a bed and the speaker calls and addresses them honey and babe repeatedly. But there are few cues that tend to associate with women like the leg shaving. But I myself prefer the queer reading of the text. So I'm saying that the speaker is a dress, dressy read like a gay couple to me. And I agree with Matt that the speaker and Al songs rarely, only exception I can think of is trigger happy, drink alcohol. But that doesn't happen to this song either. The line is, you can drink my booze, which isn't much different from a duck that won't steal his beer. <laughs> I hope this doesn't come across as competitive. I really enjoy the show, and I find com myself ref com uh, combative. Yeah. Sorry, combative. I really enjoy the show, and I just find myself reflecting on it a lot, and I felt inclined to type up my thoughts and send them off. Um, I think you and I discussed this, or I may have even responded to them on this. I think it was watching Hollywood Squares and then immediately following it with Family Double Dare. It really felt like the Hollywood Squares people didn't utilize Al as strongly as Family Double Dare. I do agree. Yeah, but the yeah, number, yeah. I mean, he br he brought numbers to the table. No, no, no. He's absolutely right. And it is kind of funny to to uh, then reflect on it because I felt the same as you in that moment where I was like, oh, man, these like Al is so smart and these people are not getting it. But you're absolutely right. There, there was, it wasn't as cut and dry as we, uh, we felt like it was in our quick reflection there. Yeah, no, like you said, I can only chalk it up to uh, how much content we were <laughs> devouring there, and I guess we just, like, sort of misinterpreted part of it. But, yeah, I, I do wonder, like, I mean, a part of the show there is, like, do they tell the contestants on Hollywood Squares that to sometimes lie on purpose? I, I guess. I never – well, now we got to track down contestants on Hollywood Squares, and I'll see if Alf's We're going to get John Davidson on his guest. That's what we're going to do, <laughs> and we're going to talk to him about how the show worked because, yeah, I wasn't sure, like, if, if maybe they are told sometimes to try to, like, poker face lie. Yeah. 
to trip somebody up. Because there's no way that Al doesn't know that you should see a surgeon. I was going to say, yeah, and that's that's probably why I missed it, too. The idea that Al would not know what to do about a hernia is impossible because we've covered <laughs> that Al knows a lot about hernias. He knows all the different types he of hernias that you He knows all the different get. types. You may not know <laughs> every type of hernia. <laughs> <laughs> but Al, Al can run him down. Yeah, no, no. So thank you for the correction there. You're absolutely right. And um, we'll definitely have to uh, keep a closer eye on my notes next time we do one of like a piece of content like that. Yeah, and agree with your thoughts as well about um, uh, 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 don't wear their shoes. Yeah. was the other side of yes. it that we were talking about. And um, uh, yes, I totally agree. There's definitely a very sort of like gender genderless or queer way to read that song, which I actually much prefer as well. I think that's a cooler reading of the track. Yes. Um, and uh, lastly, don't worry. I'm sure we have not seen the last of Stormy Sacks. No. Style tangents. I'm, I'm going to keep finding them. Yeah. And if I don't care if you like them, <laughs> you're going to get them. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to just say that this came from BC because um, it looks like they're using a code name anyway. Mm. Uh, but they said, hey, I love the show. Probably my favorite podcast. Hell yeah. Uh, I thought nice. you'd like to know that a fan digitized a lot of home-recorded VHS and put them up to download in the Close Personal Friends of Al Facebook group. It includes all type of stuff, including the Al TVs with the videos and even the original commercials. I know you've just been watching clip shows on YouTube. Here's a link to the Facebook group. I'm not sure if you can see it without being a member. And here's a Google Drive link with the videos. And I think I sent you that Google Drive link yes. as well. Uh, just thank... Guys... I can't stress how much we appreciate when yeah, you guys please, provide us stuff like please that. Please send us stuff like that. That's that's really amazing. Especially, I mean, we do have more LTV ahead of us, so like that's a great reference to have. Um, we have also mentioned in the past on this show how like, I have the MC Lars thumb drive of rare Al tracks and stuff. That's another thing I reference, like demos and stuff. But like the more content like that we have, the more we can talk about. And sometimes it's whole new episodes. Other times it just improves the quality of an existing episode. It, it's stuff like that's almost what's probably going to keep this show alive after we get past mandatory fun is yeah. like going through like, okay, what's the really deep cut stuff that we never got around Absolutely. to? Absolutely. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! All right, we got an email from Joanna. It says, I absolutely love your show. You get just as much from... Uh, joy from Weird Al as I do and it's a pleasure to experience it through your podcast here's an another reason why I love Weird Al did you know that Al turned down 5 million dollars and we're talking 80s money probably about 15 million today to endorse a beer company because he didn't want to influence his younger fans Al can't be bought a man of rare integrity by the way I laugh every time I listen to I Want a New Duck Al's got something <laughs> for everybody and I'm going to read another email because this person sent a follow up Joanna sent a follow up email and said oh also in 2012 Al sued Sony for 5 million opening the door for other artists who were getting ripped off to get their money I believe Eminem was one of the people Sony had to pay because of Al's lawsuit <laughs> I do remember that happening. It was like uh, auditing Sony for uh, just suspicious uh, reporting, I guess. Yeah. And it was like, we're going to audit the company and see if you owe us some money. And it turned out they owed a lot of people a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, once again, Al is just, he just keeps delivering on every level. Every level. and we've Every got... level. And, and uh, just yeah, one more note. It's not that 
I, I love Al turning down the money for a product that he doesn't believe in. It reminds me of um, the band Chumbawamba turning yes. down. Uh, well, no, Chumbawamba well, yeah. did one better. They, they took ex- the money. They accepted money from GM and then immediately hired a company to sue GM exactly. for unfair uh, treatment of their employees. Correct. Yeah, they, they basically <laughs> took GM's money and then used it to like hurt them. Actively used it to hurt them, which is even more like that's the most punk rock thing I've ever I mean, heard. Well, in my so there's something life. like oddly more nihilistic about that. Like yeah. Al's like there, there's like an integrity to Al's doing it. Like I don't want to use my song to promote a product I don't like. And then Chumbawamba was like, oh, we don't care. Use our material, but we're gonna swing it back around on you. Yeah. Anyway, Shockingly, I, a band of anarchists did something nihilistic. I know, right? Yeah. Go <laughs> um, I always love stuff like that, and uh, yeah. Go on Al, you know he um, he uh, stands up for what he believes in. Yeah, always respect. We got one last email yeah. here. Uh, this one comes from Paul. It says, "Hey guys, first of all, I just want to tell you how much I've been enjoying the podcast. It was definitely in my most listened to category on last year's Spotify Wrapped. I first experienced Al on MTV when I saw his video for Beat It, and I completely fell into his grasp." when I saw Even Worse at a Kmart and asked my grandmother to buy it for me. I was 11 years old, and the impact it made on my life was immeasurable. Over the course of the following year, I managed to acquire all of Al's prior releases, as well as the Peter and the Wolf collaboration with Wendy Carlos. Brag. I was already a goofy (laughs) ADHD uh, diagnosed kid with a goofy ADHD undiagnosed dad, Mm -hmm. whose greatest words of wisdom to me as a child were, if you want to be cool, be yourself. This is not always easy to accomplish during adolescence, but as I tell my children, it is a practice that pays great dividends when you become an adult. Al made it easier, and as you and your guests have expressed in your latest episode, uh, I believe this was after the Paul Shear episode, right? to realize that perhaps I was not the weird one, but that the behaviors of the society normalizes are beyond ridiculous. In any case, I was moved to write to you not only to express my appreciation for you both, but also because I had a question to consider about the relationship between Polka Party and Even Worse. I'm so glad this is our last email because I'm remembering this email and it's brilliant. Yes. Um, It was interesting that you mentioned that the parodies on Even Worse are almost all covers. I wonder how intentional it was for Al to choose songs that had already proven lasting power given that the parody choices on Polka Party are based on songs that did not perform as well as anticipated. I'm curious what you think about this. I look forward to hearing more from the podcast. I've been recommending it to all of my friends. All the best, Paul. That is the most insightful email I think we've ever gotten. I can't believe we didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's a very, very good take, Paul. I, I like that a lot. I think that, you know, I, I, it, it, it can probably, you know, multiple things can probably be true here at once. And I think that, um, there is definitely, I mean, as we've acknowledged, the nature of the parody choices on Even Worse cannot be a coincidence. It's definitely a pointed statement he is trying to make, and I would be curious to know, I mean, like, maybe it can be both, right? Like, he, yeah. he could have taken that path when he realized, like, oh, my God, I cannot have another toothless people. Yeah. That can't happen again. I need to parody something that's going to be big. And so as a result, yes, him him choosing to uh, do these songs that were way more likely to do well because they're <laughs> great songs that have already been time-tested um, was a very smart strategy for making sure he was picking great material. And then also, yeah, taking the opportunity to note the fact that, like, it still is true that those songs were wildly popular in this time in the 80s, whereas, like, how are all of these covers the most popular things on the radio? It's it's amazing. I mean, you know, another uh, 
thing here. I'm, you know, fingers crossed, toes crossed, arms crossed, everything crossed that one day we get to have a conversation with Al himself about all of this stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel like we should, it, it's worth way in advance assembling a list of these types of questions. Yeah. Because I think that exactly what you just asked, Paul, is an incredible question to ask Al. That, as far as I can tell, has never been asked. Is like, is it a coincidence that following Polka Party, you opted to do an album of more time-tested parodies? Yeah. I would love to know if that was a conscious choice or not. Well, great question. That is a phenomenal question, phenomenal insight. Uh, I forgot that I had written this down as something we were going to do in this mailbag episode, but I feel confident that we can wing this right here. Sure. Um, the only big television appearances that Al did prior to the UHS stuff that we're going to talk about is he had two very quick movie cameos, um, Naked Gun. Naked Gun. And Tape Heads. Are you familiar with the movie Tapeheads? Only by name. Uh, so here's the thing. His cameo in Tapeheads, as far as I can recall from the research I did, is that he just shows up in a non-speaking role similar to Naked Gun. Where he waves getting off a plane. Yeah, so you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that these movie cameos do in fact exist in this time frame. Yeah. We can't we can't dedicate a full episode to Al waving while getting off of a plane and naked guy. Probably not. Probably <laughs> like, not. I mean that would be difficult for us to break down in any sort of a meaningful way. Yeah. I, I would say that it's, if anything, just a marker of how big he was as a pop culture yes. figure at that time. That, that Al... two different movies yeah. one at least about music. Because tape heads, it's about John Cusack and I'm blanking on his name. Tim Robbins. Yes. Uh, becoming music video directors. Right. And I feel like Al is just in like a lineup of like artists they've been working with or something. Yeah. But Naked Gun has nothing to do with music, but the joke being that like this crowd has joined outside the plane. Frank Drebin thinks that they're all there for him, but they're there because Weird Al flew in. Because Weird Al just landed. And it's, a, it's like a you know a Beatles-type mania crowd of people waiting to see Weird Al as he gets off his plane. There's a podium there for him to give a speech. <laughs> That's right. Oh, God, and we don't see that speech, do we? What, I wonder if that was ever even considered, yeah. that Al was going to, like, uh, some extended version of that scene. Probably not, but, boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a testament to how absolutely enormous he was. That, again, his just, like... His popularity actually was kind of the punchline of the jokes of these things. Like, isn't it hilarious that this guy is so huge? And as, you know, we've talked about before, Al being so self-aware yes. and so willing to make fun of others and himself just as much that that's a part of what makes him so beloved and so impossible. Like, it's so difficult to not laugh along with him. He laughs at himself. He does all of this stuff that way, which is just... Yeah. It's you, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you love him. Well, Matt, the next... I can't believe I didn't think about this the first time we released one of these, but I'm going to call these a mal bag, M-A-L. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a mal, mal bag. Mal. A mal bag. Uh, but before we sign off, the next mal bag won't be until October. Mm. And I know that you've got a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, so I'm going to knock out mine real quick. Sure, but if it. you if you want to meet me and shake my hand, I will be in Phoenixville at Blobfest uh, on July 15th, a celebration of the movie The Blob. I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con uh, July 20th until the 23rd uh, at the Geekscape booth. And uh, this is very exciting. Uh, I recently booked a event uh, September 9th and 10th 
in Oaks, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'll be vending at an event called RetroCon. It's a celebration of all things 80s and 90s, and it will feature a live performance of Stan Bush. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) How about that? Yeah, so if you're in the Oaks, PA area, come to RetroCon. I'll be running the horror movie night table, but there will definitely be some weird algorithm uh, business cards and Matt Kelly hugs. And conversation, right? And conversation. Yeah. And Stan Bush. And Stan Bush. That's How about amazing. you? Weedus Weedus's schedule has really come out of the pandemic. I, yeah, we are out now. swinging. I mean, again, we're in the parking lot of a festival I'm playing today. But, um, uh, I mean, yeah, we've got tons and tons and tons of shows around America. And then we're going into the U.K. and Ireland um, throughout the fall, September, all the way into early November. Um, a tremendous amount of of stuff um i wouldn't even know where to begin running off the dates yeah. but where's I would just the best say, place for them to see it uh weedus.com slash shows um is going to give you the whole scoop as they as they happen um and you can also as per usual follow me on um instagram at millie milligan m-i-l-l-i m-i-l-l-i-g-a-n and i usually post all of it there as well um but yeah i've said it before i'm going to say it again come see weedus and tell me that you listen to this podcast and i'll make sure you get free stickers and all kinds of stuff from the merch table um and uh, maybe i should get some of those business cards too yeah and, well, uh, i'll give you a couple there in the them. world yeah, yeah we can definitely do that um and just yeah. come see weedus they put on a good show yeah i mean well that's you know it, it will we'll, you, you, you whatever you guys want to do <laughs> i just if you happen to be at a weedus show and you want to talk to me about weird al that would make my day Yes. But yeah, Weedah shows are also fun, and please come see yeah. my band. <laughs> All right. Let's, speaking of going to see your band, let's get out of this hot oh, car God. and go into that hot weather. I know, and right? See this let's do show. it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 